Welcome to another session with the Market Dominance Guys, a program exploring all the high stakes, speed bumps, and off ramps of driving to the top of your market with our host, Chris Beal from Connect and Sell, and Corey Frank from Branch 49. Are you looking to gain a competitive edge in your sales process? Are you interested in understanding what lies deep inside your sales funnel and pipeline to drive more revenue? Then you don't want to miss this episode. Join our market dominance guys, Chris Beal and Corey Frank, as they dive deep into the world of sales technology and AI-powered tools. Discover the true advantage of understanding and optimizing the flow rate within your sales projects. Learn why it's essential to focus on time as the denominator when measuring success rather than vanity metrics like conversion rates. They provide valuable insights on how to discern whether a tool truly de-risks your sales path and reduces friction, or if it's merely adding to your tech stack inventory without tangible results. And explore the fascinating concept of speed beats free. Join us for this episode, AI for Sales? Don't be Candy Crush complacent. That's on the enablement side. Let's talk a little bit of deeper down the funnel and very timely, you have it over your right and left shoulder or so pipeline. And so with all these other tools and weapons out there, particularly in the AI flavored genre, what do I need to understand? What's going on deep inside of that funnel, deep inside of that pipeline that could be a competitive advantage? Or is it from your perspective, your purview, Chris? just a couple of basis points increase. And if you're not wired properly mentally with an eye on profit, an eye on revenue, like Dr. Goldratt said, it's just vanity metrics. You're just stacking your tech stack with yet another piece of cordwood that is not necessarily going to do anything to keep you warm. Yeah. My guess is this. It's actually more than a guess. It's a bit of a view. If In looking at the value of some sales technology at any point, top of the funnel, onboarding, helping somebody sell more, whatever it happens to be, if your denominator is not time, you're measuring it wrong, you're thinking about it wrong. That is, if you're looking at improving conversion rates, oh, this is going to improve our conversion rate of meetings from 5% to 6%. You don't make money between 5% and 6% all by itself. It's not going from five to six percent. It's going from n per day to m greater than n. I know it's earlier in the alphabet. Sorry, I couldn't resist, but he starts with m. So going from n, which is nothing, to m, which is money, on top of of that per day. That's a flow rate. Until you do that, you don't really know what you're doing. You've got to be able to at least yeah. take guess. Yeah. This is going to make us more money per day. Because the flow rate of a unit we need, something we need to make money, is going to increase by that amount. And it is our constraint. If it's not our constraint, then all we're doing is building inventory that gets to sit there and wait to be used. Now, there's another Goldrot book. There's several of them on the goal. But there's one of them that teaches us what we really need to think about when it comes to sales. So sales tends not to be like manufacturing. It tends to be more like a series of projects. And the reason is every customer, every prospect comes with variety, lots of variety. So you would love for them to be cookie cutter, but if they were cookie cutter, they're already off in another world that doesn't need salespeople. (laughs) So the cookie cutter commodity 
including certain kinds of cookies, don't require salespeople. Mm-hmm. So what is it that requires salespeople? Well, it requires somebody who can interact with a person in a way that they learn what that person's company, this is B2B, that person's company needs or thinks that they need so that they can adapt their description of what it is their company does, call it a solution, so that it fits the need in a way that's credible and you can move forward and explore further, perhaps even getting to a transaction. That's actually what a salesperson does. Well, think of all the variety in companies. Companies are more varied than people. They're not constrained by biology. So while you might be able to boil a company down to a PL and a balance sheet and cash flow statement, in fact, most people will not buy a company. If you wanted to acquire a company, you wouldn't do it based on a PL and a balance sheet and a cash flow statement. You'd get in and you'd actually try to understand like what's really going on here and why are they trying to sell it anyway, which is always a question everybody asks a salesperson. So what you have is a project because we need projects to handle variety, unanticipated variety. Even if we anticipate the dimensions of the variety, the specifics we don't know. Every company is different. Their take on a problem is different. This is, by the way, why CRMs tend to become useless is because the differences are expressed by augmenting the CRM with fields and objects and stuff that describes my company, which changes over time. And most of that modeling is done by amateurs. They're amateur data modelers filling the CRM with, you know, if you see a, a field like 2023 revenue on an account object, you know, an amateur data modeler was involved because that ain't where you put it. <laughs> it's somewhere else, but it ain't there. Because yeah. what do you do? You're at another field, 2024 revenue, you know, that kind yeah. of thing, right? So when we're looking at this, technology and asking, how do we think about it? It's got to be doing something in time. And that something has to be within a constraint. And the constraint on a project, according to Goldratt's critical chain, which I think is the, of all the theory of constraints books, that's the one that I would say regular people should read because regular people are involved in projects. Not many of us design factories, repeatable processes. So, and and projects are funny because the critical path of the entire project is the constraint. So now we have to think about things a little bit differently. Are we building some inventory that's a feeder to the critical path? Well, that's Mm -hmm. what you do when you do the stuff on the chart behind me, here the charts behind me. You're talking to people, taking some of your ignorance and turning it into specific knowledge about what their potential needs might be and enticing them to have meetings. The schedule of meetings is inventory. That inventory is sitting there as a feeder to the critical path of actually selling something. And it's at the point where you don't even know who you're selling it to yet. (laughs) So you're feeding that part of the process. So to me, that's, that's like when you evaluate sales technology, you've got to ask yourself within a sales project, if it's about selling, not about hiring people and onboarding them and so forth, which is a different thing. But if it's within the context of selling and you know who you're going to sell to, you need to be able to say, well, what's the critical path of our sales projects? And is this helping to de-risk that path by illuminating it, so to speak, and reducing friction? Or is it building early inventory for feeders? And is that inventory durable? 
So meetings on the, on a calendar are not durable. Right. You hold the meeting, that's good. You don't hold the meeting, it decays, and your chances of getting the meeting go down, and you have to replace it with somebody else. And show rates themselves show you that's not only not durable, but it's evaporating. <laughs> and yeah, interesting. So this yeah. is, to me, the way people should be thinking about sales tech. But I can tell you, I've talked to lots of them. It's not common. And that's, it isn't common. And what are the basic building blocks that I should think about to discern whether I add a new tech stack element weapon tool in my arsenal or not? Is it starting from the constraint, what I think is a constraint in the system and work my way backwards? Like you said, even as Helen had identified, can I get there from just worrying about my department sales and not necessarily about delivery or fulfillment? Is that the right way to look at it? That, hey, as long as my bases are covered, this is why I bought this tool, but marketing bought a tool to do something else. And maybe enablement bought a tool to do something else. And then maybe fulfillment and customer service bought a tool to do something else. How should I look at this if I'm a sales VP, sales manager, enablement manager? We'll be back in a moment after a quick break. Selling a big idea to a skeptical customer, investor, or partner is one of the hardest jobs in business. So when it's time to really go big, you need to use an uncommon methodology to gain attention, frame your thoughts, and employ a successful sequencing that is fresh enough to convince others that your ideas will truly change their world. From crafting just the right cold call screenplays to curating and mapping the ideal call list for your entire TAM, Branch 49's modern and innovative sales toolbox offers a guiding hand to ambitious organizations in their quest to reach market dominance. Learn more at branch49.com. And we're back with Corey and Chris. Well, I think there's two ways of looking at it that are really basic. One is answers the question or asks the question, what part of the system is going to change? So for instance, am I going to buy a tool hoping that the cycle time between when a salesperson identifies an opportunity and when that opportunity either closes or disqualified gets shorter. If that happens, mm -hmm. then that salesperson as a production unit becomes more productive because they're able to go through more cycles. And since you have to go through those cycles because you know some will close and some will be disqualified, if you can do that faster, you're pretty sure that You've dealt with something that's important. You've invested in a machine called the salesperson, and that machine can now spin faster, so to speak. Now, downstream, it's possible that you're selling, quote unquote, too much or the wrong stuff so that you're choking your ability to deliver or you're creating waste downstream. Upstream, you could well, by having that salesperson as a unit, have shorter cycle time to resolution is how you would think of it, right? And it's, notice time, time, time is in the denominator here. By shortening that cycle time, you may well starve yourself upstream and say, oh, but now we don't have enough folks to apply this to, right? That tends to actually be your problem. <laughs> the first problem is you don't have enough people that you're talking to. 
But you have to look at it at that level of specificity and then only do one at a time. Now, who supposedly looks at all this at once? I think this is why the chief revenue officer was invented, but I think that this got hunted kind of over into sort of uh, revenue enablement or sales enablement or sales operations or something like that, like the mechanics are going to figure this stuff out. I think what happens there, unfortunately, is the text, the sales text act becomes a checklist. I need one of these, 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 one of these. Are we best of breed folks or are we, uh, do we like one throat to choke? you know, single vendor folks, there's sort of that, that set of questions. I think that's the wrong way to go about it. I would look at your current process and ask what's one, where's the, where is the constraint? Where's the bottleneck? Do this experiment. Is it building up inventory in front of it? That is, I've got too many meetings that aren't being held and they decay. So I don't have enough salespeople. Maybe you need to hire more salespeople, or maybe you need to make the ones that you enable the ones that you have to run shorter cycle times, or maybe you need to improve the quality of what they're getting and run an examination process, an inspection process that becomes part of production that rejects those that wouldn't make it through deeper discovery. So think of it as light discovery before you get into real discovery, right? You have to look at it at that level. If you're not looking at it at that level and you're just checking checkboxes, it's tempting, right? It's like, oh, the vendors must have figured it out. And they're all out there in the market, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So that's got to do that. The other thing that's really hard, I think, is the separation of sales and marketing is an oddity to me anyway. We've already talked about on the show, 11, 12 seer market isn't in market right now. That's a fact. If you're selling a B2B product, 11 twelfths of your perfect market is not in the market this quarter. Why this quarter would become sales and the other 11 quarters become marketing is somewhat mysterious. It's not dead obvious to me why that's the case, but that's what really happens. This quarter is sales. Why? Because sales is something that's done with push and drive. And yeah, maybe we have longer sales cycles in a quarter, but we're going after it because sales are about push, right? And then marketing is about nurture. We're nurturing them as we go along. It it doesn't quite make sense that you would see these as two different things. They're, for one thing, it begs the question, how do we start, right? What do we start with and how do we gain an advantage? Because there's another party to all of this. It's not just our salesperson. It's a human being on the other side of the table. And how is that relationship and their understanding evolving? I guess my point is this stuff is hard and it's hard to measure, but it's impossible to measure if you measure conversion rates. And it's more tractable if you measure something that has to do with time, either a cycle time or within that time might have to do with quality. What's the good stuff and what's the bad stuff? What's the percentage that goes through a step in the process that ends up being good or ends up being scrapped? Yeah. Yeah. I think we've talked about this once or twice is the Alex Ramosi model. You had mentioned about pushing time on the denominator as, as much as possible. And what Alex says, what's on the value chain equation is on the numerator. And you, as a salesperson, you are selling uh, that you're going to be better, faster, 
faster, cheaper, prettier, thinner, whatever it is, the dream outcome. And you're going to likely hit this goal, this measurement, this uh, nirvana state that you want um, based off of the certainty you have and my ability to deliver as the vendor. And that's on the numerator, on the denominator, we have, well, how long is it going to take for me to get there? And what's involved from my side? Is there a lot of effort? And when you look at a lot of the CRMs, Chris, to your earlier question, right, the effort and sacrifice that it takes, and not just with a CRM, but a lot of these, these MarTech tools that I've seen as a, as a sales leader, is that there's a lot of effort and sacrifice that goes into hooking them up, tracking uh, the reporting, and what should I be looking for? But Hormozzi's uh, example of this, this value equation, is that you got to push the time delay and the effort and sacrifice as more so than the dream outcome and the likelihood of achievement. And he's got a phrase he uses. He says, listen, speed beats free any day of the week. So for those right? And our audience that are listening to say, hey, I like to discount and end of quarter, end of month, and you buy one, get one, and you're trying to do all these things from what we think is a value perspective, but deal more with dollars and dollars saved. A lot of the clients out there are looking for, listen, I need it up quickly, and I don't want to be woken up at three in the morning because it doesn't work. So I think that's part of what you're seeing too in this evolution of a lot of the tool sets and what we should really strive for too. Certainly I do try to in a tech-enabled service like uh, like you. Mm -hmm. so, so with that, Chris, when you look at, we were talking earlier on about this AI tool that I saw in the New York Times right before we jumped on. And the headline is, my weekend with an emotional support AI companion. And it's about a tool called Pi, PI, which is an AI tool that debuted this week, is a twist on the new wave of chatbots. It assists people with their wellness and emotions. And you and I were chatting about that, that sometimes when we look at a lot of these MarTech stack tools and weapons that are out there, it does indeed assist people more, salespeople with their wellness and their emotions more so than their revenue or their sales. And that's part of the problem, I think. Would you agree? Yeah, I think it helps the managers with their emotions in particular. Well, at least I provided <laughs> you with X, right? Or whatever X happens to be. And if that's the thing, you everybody- You have an ability expects. to spam your TAM much faster than you would if you did it manually through LinkedIn Navigator, correct? Right. And we'll limit the amount of effort and sacrifice it takes by sending the emails automatically and doing a whole bunch of stuff for you. I call this the sit in the back of the limo playing candy crush model of business. So nobody wants to have to learn to drive. So, hey, I got you a driver. And no one wants to have to pay attention because attention is really tough. So I want to be able to pay no attention and I want to just kind of have fun in the back seat. And I want to get to the destination, which is the selling happens and I get a commission and all that good stuff. I think that that's always the temptation. And when it's a competitive market for young talent, especially the folks who aren't, aren't hardened by experience, then that factor really becomes a big factor. Because in the denominator, there's, well, how much time are you going to spend actually doing something that you're uncomfortable with, which is talking to prospects. It takes a while to get comfortable with being accountable 
for the outcome of a conversation. It's uh, much faster to be non-accountable for the outcome of sending yet another email. And there is a tool that will send the email for you. And wow, this is great. So it reduces the time and it reduces that emotional sacrifice that you have to make of actually mm -hmm. doing this uncomfortable thing. I mean, here at Connect and Sell, we provide this ability to get speed, right? You push a button, you talk to somebody in a minute or two minutes, something like that. And yet we're delivering you to an uncomfortable place. So are we really taking the sacrifice level, the effort and sacrifice level down? Well, we're taking the effort level down. It's effortless until you're in the conversation. But now you have this step function of emotional effort where one, you've got to overcome your reluctance to even push the button in the first place because your heart rate's all high and you're weirded out about talking to somebody. And then when you're in the conversation, now you have to do something very, very challenging, which is pay attention and engage with another human being who is probably not going to do exactly what you are hoping that they're going to do, which is just roll over and say, sure, you know, I'll take the meeting, I'll buy everything you have. They're not going to be like that guy buying all that rock salt you were talking about. So I love that equation. I mean, I'm an old math guy. In the world of math, if you're serious about moving a value, you drive the denominator towards zero. Yes. You ignore the numerator. All numerators are equally fabulous, right? As long as you can control the denominator. Connect and Sell, welcome to the end of dialing as you know it. Give your fingers a rest with Connect and Sell's patented technology. You'll load your best sales folks up with eight to 10 times more live qualified conversations every day. And when we say qualified, we're talking about really qualified, like knowing how many tears they shed while watching the end of Toy Story, kind of qualified. Learn more at connectandsell.com. Never miss an episode. Go to any of your favorite podcast venues and search for Market Dominance Guys or go to marketdominanceguys.com and subscribe. Mm -hmm.